Hello, and welcome to the session on reasons you might think human-level AI soon is unlikely with Asia Virgil. Following a 20-minute talk by Asia, we'll move to a live Q&A session where she will respond to your questions. You can submit questions in your name or anonymously using the box on the right-hand side of this video. You can also vote for your favorite questions, push them higher up the queue. We'll try to go through as many as we can. Then after 20 minutes of questions, I'll bring the Q&A to them. But that's not the end of the session. To help you think through and apply the ideas you've heard, I'll be asking you to join a 20-minute icebreaker session where you have two speed meetings with other attendees to discuss your thoughts on the content. I'll explain how to do that when we get there. But now, I would like to introduce our speaker for this session. Asia Bergel is a researcher at AI Impacts, where she also heads up their operations. She has a BA in computer science from MIT. Since graduating, she has worked as a trader and software engineer for Alameda Research and as a research analyst at Open Philanthropy. Here's Asia. Hi, my name is Asia Bergel. I work for an organization called AI Impacts, though the views in this presentation are my views and not necessarily AI Impacts views. And I'm going to talk about some reasons that you might think human-level AI soon is extremely unlikely. And I'm going to start the talk off with some motivation. Uh, so I'm pretty interested in these reasons because I'm interested in the question of whether we are in fact extremely unlikely to have human-level AI soon. And in particular, uh, is there something like a less than 5% chance they're going to get to human-level AI in the next 20 years? Uh, and I'm interested in this because I think if human-level AI soon is extremely unlikely and we can know that now, uh, that has some implications about we as altruists and as people who care about the long-term future might want to do. Um, so if it is extremely unlikely, I think broader movement building might be more important as opposed to targeting select individuals that can have impact now. Um, you know, you might think fewer altruistic people who are technically oriented should be going into machine learning. Um, you might think that approaches to AI safety should look more like foundational approaches. Uh, you might think that we have more time for things like institutional reform. Uh, and you might think that there is some effect where uh, if the community is largely advocating for human-level AI soon and it doesn't happen, uh, we sort of lose some global trust uh, in terms of having good epistemics and being right about things. Uh, and then people take us less seriously when you know AI risk is more of an imminent threat. Uh, I don't know how real this sort of last problem is, but it is something I worry about and I think maybe is an effect that we should be aware of as a community. So for the rest of this talk, I'm going to look at three reasons I've heard people say that we won't have human-level AI soon. Uh, and the three reasons are, one, that experts disagree, or some privileged class of experts disagree. Uh, two, that we're going to run out of compute to get to human-level AI. And three, that fuzzily defined current methods are going to be insufficient to get us there. Uh, this is three of many reasons that people have given me uh, for why we won't have human-level AI soon. And I don't claim that they're representative, uh, but they're ones that felt particularly interesting to me and that I spent some time investigating. Um, and I will go ahead and spoil the talk now and say that I'm not going to answer this 5% question, uh, partially because my views on it vary wildly as I collect new evidence on some of these reasons. Um, but I do hope that I will, in the near term, get to the point investigating uh, where my views are pretty stable and I can have something concrete to say. So looking into reason number one, uh, that experts might disagree that we could get to human-level AI soon. This is a survey conducted by Katya Grace, 
from AI Impact and a bunch of other people. Um, they asked machine learning researchers and experts uh, what probability of human level machine intelligence they thought there was going to be at some year. Uh, and this is the aggregate forecast uh, from one of the ways that they phrased this question. Um, and you can sort of see here that this is the 20 year mark. Um, and it really seems like they do think there's more than a 5% chance. Uh, but then if you delve a little further into the survey results, um, you see that the answers that people give are actually extremely sensitive to the framing and the exact way you ask the question. Uh, so whether you ask about human level machine intelligence or automating all jobs, um, whether you ask uh, what year is there going to be a 90% chance of something happening versus what chances there are going to be at some year. Um, so for this question, uh, what chance will we have of automating all the jobs within 50 years? People actually give pretty low odds. Um, and what that tells me and what people sort of have concluded from this largely um, is that it's very difficult to know what to do with expert surveys. And we probably shouldn't put a lot of weight on them. Um, I was particularly interested on a kind of survey uh, where you ask people how much fractional progress they thought had been made towards human level AI. Um, and then you can sort of naively extrapolate that to figure out how many years going to take until we get all the way to 100%. Um, so Robin Hansen did a version of this where he asked machine learning experts how far they had come uh, in the last 20 years, and all the people he asked had worked in their subfields for at least 20 years. Uh, and they answered in the 5 to 10% range, um, which naively extrapolated um, puts human level AI at 300 to 400 years away, which is pretty far. Um, and then the Kaya Grace survey that I mentioned earlier um, did a very similar thing, uh, but they surveyed people who had been working in the field for, you know, anywhere from two to many years. Um, and their aggregated percentages forecasted out um, put human level AI at something like 36 years away. So much shorter than Hansen's aggregated forecast. And then even if you do something that's pretty similar to what Hansen's doing and you condition on them working in the field for 20 years or more, um, they answer in sort of the 20 or 30% range on this survey, uh, which gives you a median, you know, forecast of 140 years or so. Uh, so still pretty long, not as long as the Hansen survey. Um, so I think there's actually a pretty consistent story um, by which you could reconcile these two results, um, which is that in the last 20 years, there was actually a long period where there wasn't much um, progress being made in AI. This is a very simplified graph. Um, and only recently has there been a bunch of progress. And actually consistently across these surveys, people say that recently progress has been accelerating. Um, it's a lot of progress recently. Uh, but if you naively extrapolate the past 20 years, um, you sort of get this pattern of like uh, boom and bust that implies that we're not going to have human level AI for a long time. Um, whereas if you sort of somewhat naively extrapolate the past five years um, and maybe take into account the fact that things might be accelerating, um, then you can actually get a pretty soon AI forecast. Um, so it's not really clear just based on these survey results um, that, you know, like 20 year experts really definitely think um, that we're not going to have human level AI soon. Um, and I think it would be wrong to say that experts disagree that we could have human level AI in the next 20 years. So reason number two, you might think we won't get human level AI soon uh, is that we're going to run out of compute to get there. So this is an analysis done by OpenAI, um, where they looked at the amount of compute used in the largest machine learning experiments for training um, from the years 2012 to 2018. 
Um, and I also stuck GPT-3 on here because OpenAI recently released GPT-3, and they actually said how much compute they used to train it. Um, and they noticed that over this period of time, uh, there was actually a pretty consistent exponential rate of growth, um, around 11.5x a year. Um, and I think a natural question, um, sort of looking at this graph, and also given that we know that historically compute has been really important for machine learning progress um, and was pretty important for these results, um, is, you know, what will this trend look like in the future? Will it be faster? Will it be at the same rate? Will it be slower? Um, and what happens to AI progress uh, sort of as a result of this trend? Um, as will be revealed, I think it's somewhat likely that it's going to slow down. Um, and so I'm particularly interested in asking what happens if it slows. Um, so for this first question, what will this trend look like in the future? I think it's pretty reasonable to start by looking at what happened with compute in the past. Uh, so I've tried to illustrate sort of what, what happened in this diagram on the slide, which I am now going to attempt to explain. Uh, so on the bottom, I put price performance, so improvements in the amount of compute you can buy per dollar. Uh, and on the top, I put general things that were happening in the world of ML training. Um, so for a long time, uh, most computation and ML training was done on CPUs, um, which were governed by this Moore's Law 1.4x a year increase in price performance. Um, and then around 2008, the sort of price performance increase that Moore's Law gave started stalling out um, and looked more like 1.1x a year. Um, and then a bunch of stuff started happening around 2012. Uh, one big thing that happened is people started training these neural networks and machine learning techniques on GPUs, which NVIDIA estimated as a 35x improvement for at least one task. Um, and then from 2012 to 2020, um, over this whole period, there are two major things going on. Um, the biggest thing is that people are willing to spend way more money buying compute. Um, so whereas here from 2012 to 2016, you maybe saw people training on one to eight GPUs. Um, over here, closer to 2018, people are using hundreds of GPUs and the techniques to be able to train on lots of GPUs at once um, are also improving. Uh, so it's getting more and more possible to just have huge amounts of parallelization. Um, but then in parallel to that, a much smaller effect is that the price performance within an individual GPU or an individual piece of hardware is also improving. Um, so from 2012 to 2016, I estimate this to be about 1.2x a year. Um, and then around 2016 is when a bunch of different companies started creating hardware that was optimized for deep learning in particular. Um, and so 2016 to 2020, I estimate that there was something like a 1.5x to 3x increase in price performance. Um, but mainly the thing that's going on here is that people are just increasing spending. They're way more willing to spend money. Um, and so I think a natural question to ask then, now it's 2020, um, and sort of if you want to know what this trend looks like in the future, um, you kind of want to ask how much more are people going to spend or be willing to spend, um, and how much more price performance are we going to have? So on the spending question, uh, like I said, uh, really seems like it's what powered growth recently. Um, but we actually can't keep going, increasing spending very long. Um, so this 2018 experiment cost around $10 million, people estimated. Um, and if we wanted to match the previous trend of 11.5x a year, um, we could really only get to 2022 on spending alone. And this is if we spent $200 billion, um, which is, you know, 1% of US GDP. 
So happens if a government is really interested in machine learning and wants to spend a lot of resources on it. Um, so if we, you know, if we wanted to continue this trend, um, we would have to compensate largely with price performance um, after two years are up. Uh, so looking at price performance and maybe naively extrapolating this 3x that we had from a period when people really started optimizing for this, um, we still get that we're not going to match the 11.5x that we saw before. Uh, but I do think there are a lot of reasons that we should think it's plausible that things go faster in coming years. Um, maybe companies like NVIDIA and Google invest even more of their resources into AI, um, get even more improvements. Uh, maybe some of these startups that are coming out with specialized chips from AI do super well, and we get a lot of improvement from that. Um, maybe, you know, if you design a chip that's specifically designed for training on a particular type of deep learning task, uh, you get much better performance. Um, but I think still we should sort of be aware of the fact that specialization gains have to end at some point um, because you're not really making any fundamental new technological advances. You're just sort of rearranging the bits in the computer to be very good at a particular thing. Um, and eventually we should expect that kind of specialization to end um, and to give way back to sort of the Moore's Law trend that we saw before. Um, but I do think sort of these two questions, one question being, how fast are we going to get improvements? And the other question being, how much are specialization improvements going to give us in total are pretty important to answer for guessing at what compute progress looks like in the future and therefore AI progress in the future. Um, and that's the kind of work I'm interested in doing now. Uh, my current best guess is that between, you know, an impossibility uh, in terms of how much more you can spend and a price performance increase that I think won't match the gains we've seen in the past, uh, we should expect the growth of compute to slow down. Uh, though, like I said, I think it's very important to say exactly how much. Um, and then sort of the question is, okay, say this trend does slow down, uh, then what happens? Um, historically, compute has definitely been important, uh, but maybe we're now we're in a period where there's just a steady stream of investment and we can compensate for uh, a lack of exponentially growing compute or compute that doesn't grow at the same exponential rate that it did before by having better algorithms um, and better efficiency gains. Um, on this particular question, I'm actually really excited about two papers coming out of Neil Thompson's lab at MIT. One of them is called How Far Can Deep Learning Take Us? A Look at Performance and Economic Limits. And another is called The Importance of Exponentially More Computing Power, um, which will look at the effects of computing power across a bunch of domains uh, that I think we should think are important. Um, I'm really excited for these papers. I'm going to plug them here because I think you guys should be excited about them too. Um, I think in general on this sort of compute question, I think it's still kind of up in the air what the future trend will look like. Um, but I do think for me, it's sort of the defining question in terms of what should I expect uh, in future progress. And I think it's the question that I think I'm probably able to make the most tractable progress on now in terms of predicting the future. Um, I also think sort of what comes out of these big companies and these startups in the next five years um, will sort of be a good metric for thinking about what happens in the next 20 years of AI progress. Um, so I'm really excited to see what happens. All right, third reason you might think we're very unlikely to have human-level AI soon um, is that current methods, which I admit are sort of like a very fuzzy term that maybe refers to deep learning or neural nets in general, um, will be insufficient. And I want to split those into two categories. Uh, one is that they'll be fundamentally insufficient somehow. Uh, so a bunch of very legitimate computer scientists 
have reasons for thinking that with the way current techniques look now, we're not going to get to human level. Um, one reason is that human intelligence relies on a bunch of priors about the world, and it's not clear that there's a good way of getting those priors into neural network architectures now. Um, another reason is that maybe we don't think that neural networks are going to be able to build the kind of human the kind of causal models that human reasoning relies on. Um, maybe we think that neural networks aren't going to be able to deal with hierarchical structure, or deep learning systems aren't going to be able to deal with hierarchical structure. Uh, and maybe we think that we'll just need too much data. We're not going to be able to collect all the data that we would need to train something that's actually human level. Um, I don't think I have the technical expertise to really evaluate these. Um, but in my non-expert opinion, I don't really think we have enough evidence about these methods to be able to say that they're fundamentally insufficient in any of these ways. Um, I do think, similar to the compute case, I think the next five years, there's probably going to be a lot of work that comes out looking at some of these things um, that might really shed light about what we can expect out of these methods for the next 20. Uh, so I'm pretty interested in that. And then I think the other broad class of insufficiency reasons uh, is this argument that current methods might be practically insufficient. Um, and that, you know, in some sense, we could get to human level with neural nets and deep learning methods, um, but we won't because it'll just be too difficult. Um, maybe we're just in sort of a bubble of hype and investment. And given that AI progress seems to be powered by investment, we sort of need a steady stream of money flowing in. Um, and that means a steady stream of economic value that encourages people to spend more money. Um, people often give the example of self-driving cars as something where we thought we might have it years ago, but it's taken a really long time, much longer than we anticipated. Um, and maybe you can generalize that to saying something like, there are a class of human tasks that require robust human effort, like driving, that are going to be very difficult to automate, and it's going to be a long time before we can get value out of automating them. Uh, so you might think that investment will dry up once we successfully automate uh, the small class of human tasks that it's easy for neural networks to automate. Um, another sort of general argument that people give is they say that in scientific fields in general, we should have a prior and expect diminishing returns. Um, so we should expect less good things out of neural networks and deep learning over time. Um, I think it's hard to use this argument, partially because it's not clear when we should expect those diminishing returns to kick in. Maybe we should expect them to kick in after we get to human level AI. Um, though it is historically seems somewhat true that we should expect diminishing returns in a lot of fields. Um, and then the last sort of crux I want to point to uh, that I've noticed when people talk about things being practically insufficient is uh, the level at which you think, or maybe the amount of work you need to do to get to a system that's pretty general. Uh, so one model of AI progress is that you're slowly automating, automating away human jobs, one job at a time. Um, and if you think we basically need to automate all the jobs before getting something general, then you might think that it's going to take a long time, especially given that we haven't really automated even the most basic jobs as of now. Um, but there's sort of another model which you could have where generality isn't all that far away. Um, and once we have something that's kind of general, it'll just be able to automate a lot of the jobs away. Um, and so then you're really looking for uh, something that sort of approximates the human brain, and you might think that happens quite soon. Um, so I think this question of when you get something general and whether it's before or after automating everything else um, is sort of in people's mind uh, when they disagree about whether things could be practically insufficient or not. So in conclusion, do experts disagree that we could have human-level AI soon? 
Uh, not obviously to me, even if you sort of only look at experts who've worked in the field for a long time, I don't think it's clear that they disagree. Um, will we run out of compute? Still working on this one. Uh, my current guess is that we won't maintain our current growth rates for the next 20 years, um, but I'm not sure that we should expect that to mean that progress slows significantly. I think that's a harder question to answer. Um, and then are current methods insufficient? Um, I think we don't have evidence now that strongly suggests anything one way or the other. Um, but I think, again, I do expect a lot of work in very recent years. Um, I do expect a lot of work in the coming years that I think will shed a lot of light on some of these questions. Um, and so I think we might have better answers to a lot of these pretty soon. That was my talk. Um, I hope you guys liked it. If you have questions or think I was wrong about something or want to clarify, please feel free to message me on Slack, especially if it doesn't get answered in this Q&A. Um, I try to be very approachable and will hopefully be super responsive. Thank you for that talk, Asya. I see we have, we've had a number of questions submitted already. So let's kick off with the first one. Great. So yeah, what have you changed your mind about recently? What have I changed my mind about recently? Um, I think I only recently really looked at the data you guys saw in the talk um, about sort of recent compute trends. Um, I think before I was like, well, who knows how fast these things are improving. Um, you know, maybe we totally will just compensate uh, with spending uh, by increasing price performance a bunch. Uh, but I think seeing a lot of seeing a lot of recent data and also seeing that at least so far, a lot of these hardware startups haven't been that successful. I think made me seem feel a little more skeptical about the future hardware situation. Uh, but again, that's very tentative, and I'll bet I'll change my mind again next week. Uh, but yeah, that's probably some of the most recent stuff. Yeah, and who knows what else quantum computing or things could bring about. Um, what are the priorities for further research on this topic if you had six more months or if someone else were interested in this topic? Right, well, hopefully I will do future research. Um, I think for me, the priorities, uh, I guess I said that I was pretty interested in this compute question. Um, and I think there are a bunch of things um, you can sort of do to try to estimate the effects. Um, you know, you can talk to people, you can look ahead to specific improvements um, and see what those kinds of improvements uh, have brought in other fields. Um, I think there's a lot of economic data on sort of how much money spent on specialized hardware yields to efficiency improvements in that hardware. Um, and I think looking at historical data um, in things like Bitcoin and other specialization uh, could, you know, give some idea about what we should expect specialization to look like in hardware for deep learning. Um, but again, sort of very new. Um, we'll see what I end up looking into. Sounds cool. How useful do you think economic growth literature is for forecasting AGI development in terms of timelines and timeframes? Right. Yeah. Uh, I've actually recently been looking into this. Um, I think the literature that I've seen on economic growth has been a lot of sort of um, somewhat abstract models or the macronomics work, work I've seen has been sort of these models with these variables um, with guesses as to, you know, how AI is going to affect automation, um, how automation will affect all these other parameters and how that will affect economic growth. Um, but they're usually very theoretical and sort of guessing at broad swaths of things that could happen. Um, and 
this might be very difficult, but I think I'd be interested in more empirical work looking at um, the particulars of automation and the supply chain um, in AI in particular, like what would we expect to be automated? Um, at what rate would we expect jobs to be automated? Um, there's a pretty common empirical assumption uh, or a pretty common model is that we automate a constant fraction of jobs away every year or something like that. Um, and I don't know if that's a reasonable assumption. Um, and just, I think having, I think if we had more empirical data, uh, I'd be pretty excited about economic growth modeling. Um, but I think that that sort of requires additional work past uh, the, the growth models that exist right now. Sounds perfect. So will the future of commute also be limited by pure physics, let's say? Fastest chipsets right now are at seven nanometers, but we can't shrink it indefinitely. So is that going to limit the growth we have to AGI potentially? Right. Um, I think definitely there are sort of, especially once you get past the specialization, sort of like the Moore's law, pure physical limits. Um, but I do think there's just sort of like you mentioned, a wide swath of, you know, more exotic architectures and stuff that we can exploit before uh, the physical limits are the most relevant thing, you know, yeah, stuff like quantum, you know, optical stuff. Uh, I think there are a bunch of sort of, you know, stacking, stacking transistors in 3D space, uh, et cetera. I think there's a bunch of stuff like that, um, that we can sort of get improvements from before we have to worry about the fact that we are sort of hitting physical limits in transistor density. Um, but I do think it's relevant. Like, I think we shouldn't expect progress at the same rates that we used to see um, because, you know, yeah, we really just can't do that anymore. Totally makes sense. Do you, figure, uh, do you think figuring out if we can expect discontinuous progress in AI tells us much about if AGI will happen soon? Uh, I think it does somewhat, especially if you have in mind sort of a concrete, um, especially if you have in mind sort of a concrete metric. Um, you know, if you don't think progress is going to be discontinuous, uh, which I think um, sort of the AI impacts investigation uh, kind of suggests that it's unlikely to be, um, but it might be, uh, then if you want sort of continuous progress that leads to AGI, you know, in the next 20 years, um, then you have to expect some kind of, you know, like pretty steep exponential growth and signs of exponential growth. Um, and if you're not seeing those signs um, and you think progress is likely to be continuous, so there's not going to be a huge jump, you have to sort of be like, well, I really don't expect um, AGI to come soon. Uh, so I think it does. I think it should sort of influence people's, uh, people's takes, uh, especially I think, I don't know if we think something like economic value or the economic value from AGI or from AI is going to be increasing continuously. Um, I think if it's not increasing very much, uh, then maybe we can say something about what the future looks like. Sounds good. So even if AGI isn't near, shouldn't we worry about the side effects of increasingly powerful machine learning shaping our world, but with misaligned incentives? I think we totally should. Um, I think I often, when thinking about this, I'm sort of thinking about um, the kind of more nebulous um, risks that you get into when you have, you know, superhuman agents. Um, I think sort of there is a space of the AI risk concerns in literature that is very focused on those. Um, and in some sense, I think those are some of the most neglected and most likely to be existentially bad. Um, so that's sort of the focus on, on human level or general intelligence. I definitely think... Um, you know, powerful machine learning systems of various kinds that are not human level um, can be transformative and quite impactful. And I think it's sort of societally worth thinking about that for sure. Perfect. 
What do you think about AI talent as another factor in AI development? Would the decoupling between the U.S. and China slow down ML research? Hmm. I think I should qualify and say I think I'm probably not the most qualified to talk about AI talent um, in the U.S. and China. I'm not sure if we should expect it to slow down research because I'm not. I guess I'm not sure that it was particularly coupled before in a way that was essential for research, and so. I'm not sure if the decoupling should imply slowdown,、um, but again, I'm definitely not an expert in either AI talent or China,、uh, so don't take my opinions here too seriously. Makes sense.、Um, are there any specific advances that we can be to human AI, level AI is within ten years, like a sort、uh, of canary in the coal mine of sorts? Specific advances.、Um, Yeah, I don't know.、Um, I think if we,、uh, I guess, yeah, I think if we, I think if there was good evidence that a lot of sort of the theoretical problems、um, that people think are、uh, true of deep learning systems weren't big problems, like if we suddenly,、um, you know, if we suddenly felt like we could do lots of types of learning without training a bunch, and so training data wasn't going to be a problem.、Um, If we were able to create really good simulation environments, so that training wasn't a problem,、um, stuff like that.、Uh, I think anything that sort of like knocked out all these things people say, where you know they can't do causal modeling or hierarchical structure, they need too much data.、Um, I think something like that would be make me sort of much more optimistic about、um, deep learning methods getting us there, and so more optimistic about it being plausible in twenty years. Makes sense. Um, do you think using similar forecasting methods you've used could we predict when another AI winter could potentially happen?、Um, not really sure if I would say similar forecasting methods to the ones I've used.、Um, I think the AI winter part of it really is sort of like a function of investment, and right now investment looks to be sort of exponentially increasing.、Um, but I think you know, post coronavirus.、Uh, It sort of would be interesting to look and see what investment looks like,、um, and I think that will be—I mean, sort of that'll be what I'll be keeping track of in terms of predicting an AI winter、um, investment levels and you know how many researchers are going to ML PhD programs, stuff like that. Makes sense. What do you think are the policy implications for different timelines of AI progress? Um. Yeah, what are the policy implications? That's a really good question.、Um, I think、uh, I think there's a big question of my mind of whether we need to. I guess I think in my mind, I feel like it's pretty probable that if AI becomes an extremely strategically important technology, there's going to be some government involvement,、um, and then there's a question of sort of. What is the government actually doing? And one function of the government is to legislate sort of the the things that are inputs to AI. So you know, legislating AI labs, legislating compute manufacturers in the U.S. stuff like that.、Um, and I think if timelines are short,、uh, given that the policy world moves kind of slowly,、um, it's sort of important to be on the ground and figuring that out now.、Um, whether as, whereas if timelines are long. Um, then, sort of like I said, we have more time for things like institutional reform,、um, and don't need to be sort of in as much of a rush、um, getting sort of laws and cooperation mechanisms and stuff like that implemented now. 
So expert surveys like the one you cited in your talk are used as a lot of starting places, such as in Toby Ord's The Precipice. Do you think there should be a revised version of the survey every year? And is it an appropriate starting point for researchers such as yourself to use these estimates? I think it's not unreasonable if you don't know something about a field to ask experts what they think. Um, and from that perspective, I don't know that we have really sort of a better starting point when you're doing random forecasting exercises. Um, should such a survey be done every year? I think it would be cool if it were. Um, it would be certainly be interesting to, to know sort of how expert opinion is changing. And I think there are various surveys that get done. Um, I don't... Yeah, I don't know that we should, I think given that we, I think if we have sort of better forecasting tools, so if we are able to look more at economic trends and things like compute, um, I sort of more endorse that as a starting point, just because I guess, as I mentioned in the talk, I've become pretty skeptical of expert surveys. Um, and I'm not really sure that a random technical expert uh, actually sort of has a more informed view than we do. Um, but I do think it's sort of an easy way to get a good, starting point. Um, and I definitely endorse, I think I do endorse frequent surveys of this form. Um, if nothing else, I think it's interesting to see, you know, how technical researchers perceive progress to be. Um, I think that's a valuable data point in and of itself, even if it doesn't tell us anything about how progress really is. Yeah. Is it possible that current spending as a percentage of GDP on AI will actually stay constant or even diminish just because of the huge gains in GDP we could expect from investment in AI? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I think long-term that's very possible. I sort of don't expect that in the short term, um, but I think you could imagine in a world where AI contributes to huge economic growth um, that, you know, we actually do spend up, spend more, but GDP increases, uh, and we're actually spending less of a percentage. I do think that's possible, but I would find it pretty unlikely in the short term. Do time scales change the effective interventions for suffering focused or S risks in your opinion? Oh, that's also a good question that I haven't thought about at all. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, I don't know. I think, wow, this is gonna really reveal how little I've thought about S risks. Um, I think at least some of the asterisk work is very related to work on AGI and that we don't want, you know, astronomical amounts of suffering to be created. Um, and so I think in the same way that timescales, um, you know, in the same way that we are even without asterisks worried about risks from AGI, um, I think we sort of, there are similar implications to timescales on, you know, AGI related S risks as well, but I'm not very well read on the S risk space. So, um, yeah. Perfect. Uh, I think we have time for one last question. Given the uncertainty around AGI and timelines, would you advise donors to hold off assisting AI safety organizations? I think no. Um, I mean, I think you should, I sort of think that uh, if work seems plausibly good, it's good to do it. Um, I don't think we have, I also, I guess I think just doing direct work is often, you know, instrumentally useful for future direct work and for things like movement building. And I think if there's um, plausibly good direct work being done, it makes sense to, to fund it now. Um, yeah. 
I guess I wouldn't, I would say I would not hold off on safety work now, um, especially safety work that seems good or promising. Uh. Okay. Thank you so much for that, Asya. That concludes the Q&A part of the session, but don't just go away yet. Discussing new ideas with other people can be a really good way to understand them. So we're going to use the last 20 minutes of the session for a couple of short speed meetings with other attendees. If you check the agenda, you'll find a link to an icebreaker session next to where you're going to gather for those meetings. So please click on that link now and a new host will meet you on the other side.